0: Hello, this is Tony Butler. Welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast. I'm here with Bob Dave bittner Bob, how are you
1: doing today? It's really good to be here, Tony. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful morning out. And uh, the heat index is supposed to get up to 104 today. Just a little. So uh, it'll be
0: uh, be a nice day outside. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'll get to... uh... I probably won't make it back outside until about 6 o'clock today, so I'll probably miss a lot of it.
1: Well, I know a lot of our uh, friends out there that listen to us wish they could uh, have that same condition. I know uh, that. Because uh, in the the area of maintenance and operations, a lot of times, outside work is where you have to be, and particularly on a day like today, unfortunately, uh, air conditioning breaks down on a day like today, and a lot of the times, that equipment's up on the roof, and boy not only is the heat index 104 just out normal, but when you get up onto a roof and it's reflecting off of you, man, is it ever hot out. So you guys take it careful today, drink lots of liquids, uh, stay hydrated, and uh, let those guys in the building suffer with you a little bit. Let them have a little bit of that hotness if you you need to. We'll make it. Uh, Yeah, we'll. Hey, Tony, um, you know, one of the things that we uh, have been talking around here for a while is um, uh, about skilled trades and uh, particularly the lack of skilled trades and uh, what we're doing as a, as a nation, really, uh, to try to address some of those issues. And I'd like to kind of just kind of point out some of the issues today uh, that we've got, what's happening, and uh, uh, the next time I'd like for us to, to run into a kind of a, uh, uh, some new technology. But, you know, I was, uh, <clears throat> I wanted to kind of throw out uh, some trivia to start with today. And this doesn't have anything to do with our podcast. But uh, I've been reading this book, and uh, it's very exciting. Uh, it's called 1969, and I saw some things in there that I thought were interesting. But a question for you, Tony, <laughs> and, and I know this was before your time, but I know you like history, I know you like to read, so you might know this. But uh, 1969 was when man first step, stepped on the moon. That was 48 years ago and uh, in July. And NASA, had the astronauts, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, scheduled to do something uh, when they first landed on the moon. Do you know what that was, tell me? Don't answer. Wait till the end? Let's wait to the end to give them <laughs> the answer, okay? Uh, but, you know, like, um, um, very exciting to be on the moon, but uh, we, uh, we're here on Earth taking care of a lot of business and a lot of problems and a lot of issues. Yeah. And uh, every day we see things coming up, and talking to uh, some of our partners at train, and talking to a lot of our clients, and just the lack of skilled tradespeople coming into the field, and a lot of us uh, gray-haired. Uh, well, what was that gray-haired tsunami? A lot of the retirees leaving the workforce. The gray-haired, silver-haired. Silver hair, silver hair tsunami, and um, uh, but uh, you know we have about. Ten thousand baby boomers a day retiring, and just uh, the need is not going away. And so uh, we have just a lot of skilled trades people that are leaving. And the statistic, the big statistic that I like to share with people is that for every skilled trades person that's leaving today, there's only
0: three coming back in behind. Yeah, I know. um, Not only not only are there only three coming back in, but the need for the trades is growing. Um, As we're working with folks out in the field, what I'm finding is that um, the need for HVAC technicians, plumbers, electricians, that need is only growing every day. Um,
1: Well, you know, there was a study done not long ago that uh, between 2012 and 2020, there was going to be an additional increase for the need for plumbers by 21%, HVAC technicians by 34%, and uh, electricians by 20%, and that's a huge number. Uh, You talk about how do we influence our young people, what kind of skills, what kind of, where are jobs, and uh, what do I wanna do when I get out of high school? What do I wanna do when I get out of college? What do I wanna do for a career? And there's so much demand, uh, but yet I don't think we do a very good job of of exciting young people that this is really a great, uh, a great business to be into, a great career
0: to be. Hard of I know you're absolutely right. Um, you know, a lot of focus is on the computer science. Yeah. Um, programming, um, you know, building out applications and understanding how to, to make web applications. And that's where a lot of the focus is, and it's not on the trades. And so, obviously, it's become very evident in today's world, and we're seeing an impact. You know, and I think that we kind of lose some of the, uh, the
1: insight. We think that, hey, these jobs are hot, hot and dirty and nasty, and some days they are. But they also provide a lot of great benefits as well. I mean, there's a lot more freedom. You're able to get up. You don't have to sit in front of a computer. You don't have to sit in one chair all day. You, you're able to get out. You're able to see a lot of different things, troubleshoot a lot of things, really use your mind to, to uh, dive into and find root causes of, of problems and fix them. And so, um, you know, as the, as the uh, us silver hairs are leaving, uh, or no hairs as it may be, the case. Um, we, uh, we're looking for people to come in, in behind. And, uh, some st- other statistics, uh, the economic uh, modeling specification international said that, uh, today that there's 53%, uh, over 45 in the skilled trades, uh, area. And that's 10% higher than it's ever been before. So what that means is, is they're fastly moving towards retirement. And, uh, Most skilled tradespeople retire uh, somewhere between 60 and 65, just because of some of the demands that they've had on their bodies over those years. And and then we get tired of working up on the roof when it's 104 degrees outside. And so um, uh, it's getting harder and harder to to fill those jobs, to backfill them. And uh, Manpower International, every year they do a study that says, what are the hardest jobs to fill? So as they're a temporary agency, they're looking at what do I need to do to fill jobs? And for the last three years running, skilled trades positions have been the hardest ones to fill. And so what does this all mean to us as facility managers, uh, operational people, and particularly finance people Mm -hmm. in our
0: organizations? Do you have any ideas what that might mean to us, Tony? Uh, There's a lot of challenges out there, and just to 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 tell a story because one of the things i recently dealt with was a larger community uh, out on the west coast and in the community the facility was a large community right a county um, i think there are 60 folks in the facilities maintenance department i think 50 of them are up for retirement wow and i didn't think i actually heard that number right um, so a majority of the department and they're, they're hanging on but there's going to be an issue there and what does that mean as you mentioned for the finance department um, for the facility department or how about for everyone who, who works and lives in that community? Right. Right. That, that all goes back down to taxpayers because they're going to be impacted by the cost of, of, maintenance when it comes to having to get things fixed and they can't find skilled labor close by. You know, it's got to come from an hour, two hours away. Uh, so that cost increase, filling those positions, uh, healthcare costs. There's a lot of, of costs, a lot of impact. There is.
1: And, and, uh, One of them is, you know, things are still going to break. Things still need to be maintained. Things still need to have preventive maintenance done on them because when those data centers go down, when those school buildings go down, you know, they have to be up and running. Uh, When those hospitals have an interruption, you just can't decide that, hey, I'm going to send everybody home from the hospital today uh, because it's hot in here. Something has to happen. Somebody has to get it fixed. And uh, so people are saying, get it fixed. I don't care what it costs today but tomorrow what's going to happen is so we paid a lot today to get the chiller fixed and tomorrow they're going to say oh you're out of money you're out of budget you can't do anything else for the rest of the yep. year and um the uh, it's just compounds the problem and so we're finding that uh, contractors are paying more mm-hmm. are having to pay more uh and the demand is is so great uh, I, I don't think that there's a um, uh, an organization that I go into, any mechanical contractor that I talk to, any manufacturer that uh, does uh, support of their products, that if you say, "Do you have openings for skilled trades?" that they would say no, because <laughs> everybody <laughs> is looking for them. Yeah, and uh, and technicians are jumping from job to job because they're kind of selling themselves. Uh, you want you want me. Pay me another dollar an hour, pay me $2 an hour, pay me $5 an hour more, and I'll
0: come work for you. And it's driving the cost up. It's driving the cost up, and I've seen it impact our, our public organizations because their budgets are limited. Yeah. You know, the schools, um, the, the government agencies that we work with, those are limited budgets, and they're able, the, the, the technicians, the tradesmen are actually able to get a higher pay rate with a private company than they are yeah. with the... Uh, with our communities, with our public organizations, which impacts, again, I go back because I see it every day, uh, our our budget, our taxpayers, uh, it's impacting everyone who lives in the country at this point. And then those organizations turn around and hire that contractor to do it
1: and pay three times the amount of money for what they would hire that uh, technician for. And so it's just kind of a vicious cycle. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just the, the fact of how it is. And you certainly can't blame a technician for wanting to make more money. Uh, some of the, some there's some really great salaries going on today. Uh, you know, uh, somebody in the uh, in the plumbing and electrical and HVAC fields, it's not uncommon today for those technicians to be making six figures. And um, they, uh, particularly if you're a good good mechanic of any type, and you have that skill and particularly that troubleshooting skill. Yeah. You know, I'm not just talking about a parts changer. A lot of times we people get frustrated because you take your car to a shop and they'll say, well, the computer says it's this, so change that part, you change that, and you come back three days later and it wasn't that, and, well, let's change this part. I'm talking about people that can analyze what's going on, really troubleshoot it, get down to the root cause of things, and fix it once and for all. And uh, those skills are getting fewer and farther between, and um, it's just it's just difficult to, to uh, automatically expect, particularly even if you have a bright young technician that comes in that comes out of some of our technical schools to get
0: some of those years of experience. Well, I think too you, you mentioned there's a lot of opportunity now. So of course, um, where there's a lot of demand in a very, very short supply of tradesmen, and that means there's opportunity for young people to come in to get experience uh, in times where they might not have been able to do that before. And then, of course, I mean, you know as well as I know, things are changing when it comes to the new equipment, technology that we're putting into uh, into these mechanical systems, uh, into our plumbing, electrical, et cetera. So there's going to be a combination of folks who not only need to understand the actual equipment itself, the hardware, but also there's a There's a a software engineering component to it. There's a piece that uh, I think our up-and-coming tradesmen will need to know. Exactly. And I think that's where they can do a much better job than some of our
1: seasoned people that have somewhat been afraid of the computer, been afraid of an iPad, uh, been afraid to hook a computer up to a piece of equipment, where that just comes second nature to some of our younger folks that, hey... Why doesn't it have a computer hooked up to right, it? like? Right. You know, where where's the keyboard on this thing? How do I run it? And I think that uh, uh, as we try to help paint the picture, uh, you know, uh, Mike Rowe is one of my heroes yeah. on the uh, various jobs, and and Mike's a big proponent of this and trying to get people into the skilled trades. But uh, by and large, I don't think we do a very good job out in our educational system being excited about that uh, by giving the uh, the the excitement about those kinds of things because you're exactly right almost every piece of equipment today has some kind of a computer interface on it and uh, I like to even look at and challenge uh, our young people hey it's almost like running a facility is almost like gamifying (laughs) the maintenance of it you know and our building automation systems have become so complex and so interesting and really doing some very neat things with it and producing a lot of data you know you with the ability of all the data that's coming out of these machines to be able to do data analytics and to solve problems. We talked about solving problems uh, uh, and getting to the basis of the problem and really understanding what the problem is and looking at that data, as opposed to just changing
0: a part and, and, and going with it from that standpoint. Well, I, I think you mentioned it too earlier, you talked about potentially, hey, we're gonna shut this hospital down because it's, it's hot here, right? That's not an option. the the role that you guys play out in the field is hugely important and often again we talk about unsung heroes you know it's sight unseen if everyone's comfortable uh, you're not noticed but once once everything stops then the importance of your role um, becomes you become a priority we need to fix this who can do it if you keep things running smoothly operating efficiently um, and and when you're doing it proactively the cost to do it uh, is lower than it than it could be or if we were just reactive, right? I just want to point out that it's so important that you take care of the facilities and the people in those facilities, and if you didn't, the impact that it would actually make on the folks in that uh, that have to utilize or work in that facility or, again, we, I just mentioned healthcare, the schools, our government facilities, any facility throughout the country. You know, I think you uh, you hit something that was very important
1: I'd like to elaborate a little bit more on. And, kind of the respect that these folks get every day Uh, because if everything's working all right nobody says anything right right right. and you're just you're just the guys over there in the shop you know but if something breaks down then why aren't you why did you let this happen why didn't you fix it so it's kind of a a no-win situation but um i think that organizations throughout not just the management of that or of that group of maintenance workers uh but the whole organization needs to pay a little higher respect to that position. I think that would in itself help recruit and bring people into that field where they feel like they're really contributing to the end game of what they're doing. And I always used to tell my folks, whichever whatever industry I was in, uh, but particularly in the education environment when I was in that for several years, was that as maintenance people, you are educators. You're doing it in a little different way, Mm -hmm. but you're educators. And understand that when you walk in a school building that morning with a ladder or a toolbox or whatever, um, kids are watching you and and how you behave. And you're making it available for them to have a great learning environment. So you you are an an educator in that aspect of it. Because without it, it's not going to happen. And uh, so I think that uh, we've kind of defined the problem today today. We, ha- we have some things that uh, I think are some uh, some helps. There's not a silver bullet that's going to, uh, it's going to, it's taken us a number of years to get here. It's going to take us a number of years to get out of it. Uh, but I think we have in our next podcast, we have some things that I'd like to make suggestions that I think make it even easier today to do some
0: of these things. But uh, uh, we'll discover some of those in the next podcast. Absolutely. I think the important thing, too, that, that we sort of touched on, which is, uh, a, there's a paradigm shift. We need to, sh- to change how we think about what we're doing and help educate others so they understand the importance of our role. Well, I, I think that's very, very important,
1: the whole education piece of it because mm-hmm. I think so often we just don't say much about it. We're having a hard time. HR knows we're having a hard time uh, recruiting and hiring people. We're having to pay more, but the whole organization doesn't really know about it. Yeah. And. Uh, so I think there's a whole lot that we have to do from an education standpoint and uh, and, and starting it early. So uh, next time we're going to delve into some newer tools that are available yep. to help kind of help with some of this and what technology, uh, even though technology has brought us some new challenges, it's also brought us some new solutions.
0: And uh, So Bob, I got to know, we're at the end of the uh, right at the, end of the podcast, you asked me a question earlier, and I got to be honest with you, I'm not sure I know really the answer. Well, what was what was their task when they first landed on the moon? I'd I'd like to think maybe drink a beer. So so drink a
1: beer. Let's see how that would be in the zero gravity. How to taste or pop that open and just see it kind of dance up in the into the uh, capsule there. But NASA, if you can imagine, here you are, that the whole world is watching. This has never been done before. An engineering feat that's just beyond imagine.
0: Right, incredible.
1: And and NASA has scheduled these two men to take a nap before they get out. <laughs> Can you believe that? I thought when I read that, I thought, you know, here you are, you just landed, your adrenaline's just pumping, and I'm gonna they ask you to take a nap. Ain't no way I'm I taking a nap. And they didn't. I'd be through the roof. I'd <laughs> they be so were so pumped and excited. They were about getting on their spacesuits on and getting out there and putting that first foot on them, uh, on the moon. And, uh, Do you think they actually took a nap? I. They did not take a nap. They <laughs> did not take a nap. So, uh, but uh, we're glad you uh, joined us today, and you know, share this uh, information with uh, with others in your organization, so they understand the, uh, the the dynamic needs of what's going on with your finance people and and uh, people throughout the organization,
0: so they understand the challenges that you're having in your organizations. Yeah, use this as a tool to, to, to spread the word, help educate and uh, take advantage of the podcast and the fact that it's out there. Uh, you can download it. You can follow us on Stitcher or iTunes and subscribe. But again, you can download the episode and share it with someone uh, in the organization to help them understand, again, what you're doing, the challenges that you're facing uh, and the challenges that the industry are facing. And uh, if you'd like to communicate with us, uh, you can email us at
1: podcast at Dudesolutions.com. And uh, we're glad you joined us today and uh, look forward to uh, the next time. Take care, guys.